Today we are going to conclude our series called In Times Like These. You know, our generation has never experienced times like these. You know, face masks and social distancing and mandated shutdowns and, and sheltering in place. COVID-19 has totally changed our world and it also brought with it much division, actually near civil war. I mean, no, people are divided today. People are divided. Our country is divided. Uh, some churches, thank God, not ours, but some churches are divided. Hey, even families are divided on how to deal with this, the issue of our day. Well, we're using as our foundational scripture for this series, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 12. Let's read it one more time. The writer of Hebrews writes, and he says, so take a new grip with your tired hands. How many of you are weary of this whole mess? Yeah, the writer of Hebrews says, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. I believe this is good admonition for us in times like these. Now, in this series, I'm suggesting four requirements to be met if we are going to be overcomers, if we are going to live in victory and come out on the other side of this victorious. The four requirements that I'm talking about is, first of all, we talked about uncommon faith. Then we talked about uncommon faithfulness. Last Sunday, we talked about uncommon focus, and today's targeted requirement is an uncommon fight. How many believe we're going to have to experience an uncommon fight? Yes, I believe that if we are going to be victorious in times like these, it will require an uncommon fight. And we're definitely in a battle, right? We are definitely in a battle. It's no longer business as usual. And it's a battle that our generation has never faced before, at least not to this magnitude. Today, I want to talk about the battle. Now, I have three things that I want to point out to you today that I believe will help us be overcomers in the battle. First thing we're going to have to do, if we are going to overcome, if we're going to be victorious in times like these and in the battle that we are in today, we're going to have to understand who the enemy is. We need to understand who the enemy is. Now, now, now my number one cheerleader is back today, and you're just kind of sitting back there letting her do all the work. You did awesome last Sunday when she was gone. Don't lay back. Help me out. I promise you, if you'll get in with me this morning, you'll be better off. The, pre the sermon will be a whole lot better, all right? Amen. So we're going to have to understand who the enemy is. Now, 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 before we talk about who the enemy is, let me tell you who the enemy is not. And, and let me get through the entire uh, point before you throw rocks at me or boo me this morning, all right? So before I talk about who the enemy is, I first want to talk about who the enemy is not. And I'm going to tell you that our enemy is not people. Our enemy is not people. Listen, if you're a Republican, your enemy is not the Democrats. And if you're a Democrat, your enemy is not the Republicans. If you're black, your enemy is not the white people. If you're white, the enemy is not the black people. Red, yellow, black, or white, polka dot, or pinstripe. Our enemy is not people. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Strategies of who? The devil. 
Yeah, stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Did you hear what Paul said? Paul said, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Hear me this morning, our enemy is not people. And our enemy is not political. Our enemy is not Political, our true enemy is not the opposite political party of our choice. There's some good people in both parties. Well, that was really weak. (laughs) There are some good people in both parties, and both parties have some good policies, and both parties have some pretty stinky ones. There's mass on both sides of the fence. Come on. Ephesians 6, 11, and 12 tells us who the true enemy is, and it's not people, and it's not political. Hear me this morning. Our enemy is the prince of the power of darkness. Our enemy is the devil. Our enemy is, is Satan. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 that we read a moment ago says so. And 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8 says stay alert. Why? Because you need to watch out for your great enemy. Who is our great enemy? Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Amen. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, let me clarify something this morning. Although people and political parties are not in and of themselves the enemy, the true enemy, the devil, uses people and uses politics as his weapons. You know, when the devil shows up, he shows up dressed like a man or a woman. Right? See, just as God uses people, we love to talk about the fact that God uses people. And because God uses people, God can use you, and we love to talk about that. We love to talk about that God uses people, that when he speaks, he speaks through a person. He uses a person's voice to speak through. And oh, when God gives, he he does it through a person's hands and a person's resources. But hear me this morning, just as God uses people to do his work, so Satan also uses people to do his work. When Satan wants to speak, he uses the voice of a person. When Satan wants to do something in this world, he uses people to get the job done. And the sad part about it is that he doesn't just use his people. You know, if you'll read the Bible, you'll see that you didn't have to be the most righteous person for God to use. God used everything. God even used a donkey one time. Well, I want to tell you that the devil doesn't always have to look in his camp to find somebody to talk through, to voice through, to to, to use. But even in, in the Lord's camp, if we're not careful, we'll become pawns and we'll become the voice of the enemy. The devil can even use us. Just as God uses people, the devil uses people. And he uses, he uses people, he uses politics, he uses a host of other things in order to accomplish his evil agenda. And here's what I believe this morning. We can defeat our enemy, but only if we understand who our enemy truly is. And it's the devil, it's Satan, and the Bible describes Satan as sneaky, it describes him as as deceptive, it it describes him as sly. 
See, the devil knows that if he can get people to turn on one another, if he can divide the people, oh, if he can divide the people through race riots and political parties and, and, hey, even simple things that are no more than personal preference. He knows that if he can get our army divided, he will only have half an army to fight. And if he can get our army divided enough, he can, he, he can get us to turn on one another, then, and, and then we will destroy ourselves, and he won't have to fight us at all. But, oh, we will do the job for him. And I'm afraid in too many churches and in too many families and too many places today, that's exactly what is happening. That is exactly what is taking place. The enemy is causing division. And because of division, the army is becoming weak. And because of division, people are turning on one another. And the devil doesn't even have to fight us. He's got us fighting one another. Listen, if we're going to be victorious right now and walk out on the other side of this pandemic as a victor, it's going to require an uncommon fight. And in this uncommon fight, we will need to understand who the enemy is. Not only do we need to understand who the enemy is, then the second thing we're going to have to do, we're going to have to use the right weapons. Use the right weapons. I'm just mentioning a few of the weapons that we have available to us that we can fight with. First of all, let's talk about spiritual weapons. Spiritual weapons. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, he says, We are humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. Say God's mighty weapons. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds. Now, some of the spiritual weapons that God has equipped us with are, first of all, prayer. You know, we talk about prayer. It seems like it gets in somehow in just about every sermon. We talk about prayer. We sing about prayer. We talk about how wonderful prayer is. But who's praying? Prayer is a mighty, a mighty weapon. Listen, listen, prayer is actually what gives power to all the other weapons. The truth of the matter is, listen to me, we are only as powerful as our prayer life is. I said we are only as powerful as our prayer life. Let that sink in for a moment this morning. Another weapon is the word. The word. And now, now, this was the weapon of choice for Jesus. When he picked out his weapon to fight the devil after his 40-day wilderness experience, it was the word of God that was the weapon of choice for Jesus. Three times Jesus said to the devil, it is written. Jesus quoted the word of God to Satan, and, and through the word of God, Jesus defeated the enemy called the devil. Be careful, though. Be careful, though, the Bible calls the word a two-edged sword. Be careful how you handle this sword. It might cut you. Right? Be careful how you handle the word of God. Understand this, a weapon is only as effective as the person's expertise in using it. So we need to know our weapons well. We need to be familiar with 
our weapons. It's wonderful that this is a sharp two-edged sword. It's wonderful the power that is available through the Word of God, but we need to be careful. We need to understand and we need to know and familiarize ourselves with the weapon of the Word of God. You know, the more that we use our weapons, the more that we become effective with them. Another weapon is praise. Praise. Praise is a weapon. Listen, praise and worship, that's not just preliminary to the preaching. Praise and worship is, it's a weapon. It's spiritual warfare. We are doing warfare with the, with the, with the spirits of, the, of darkness when we worship and when we praise, when we really do it in spirit and in truth. In fact, the Bible says that praise has the potential to silence the foe and the avenger. And the avenger. How many of you like to shut the mouth of the, of the devil? We can, do it through, we can do it through praise. God, God told King Jehoshaphat to send the praise team out in front of the soldiers as they went into battle. That was the strategy. Put the worshipers in the, on the front lines. Let them lead the charge. Lead with praise. Lead with worship. And let the soldiers come in behind. Here's what I've learned. You can praise your way through your battle. Praise your way through your battle. You can praise your way to victory. If we're going to be overcomers in times like these, it's going to require an uncommon fight. And in this uncommon fight, we're going to need to use the right weapons. Another, another weapon that we have is a weapon of strategy. Nobody talks about this as a weapon, but I'm telling you that strategy is a weapon. In James chapter 1 and verse number 5, James writes, and he says, if you need wisdom, then just ask God for it, and God will give it to you. Amen. See, I believe that God will give us a strategy for our battle. Amen. Like he did with Joshua. When he told Joshua, you know, line up the people and march them around the walls of Jericho. And that might be what the Lord tells us to do. He might tell us to line up and march around the walls of whatever it is that's keeping us out of his best for us and to march until the walls come tumbling down. His strategy might be to strike a rock with our staff, oh, in order to bring forth water, in order that we may quench our thirst. That's the strategy he gave to Moses. Oh, his strategy might be to go dip seven times in the muddy Jordan. It might be, it might be to go into battle with some very unconventional weapons like, like he told Gideon to do. What a strategy, what a crazy, weird, unusual, out-of-the-box strategy that God gave Gideon. But it, but, but it was a mighty weapon, and it was the strategy, and God used him the strategy that brought forth the victory. I believe God will give us a strategy for the battles we are fighting if we will seek him. I constantly pound it in the heads and in the hearts of my staff over and over and over. It's, it's okay to have a roundtable discussion. It's okay to get on the internet and see what everybody else is doing. But before we do that, and more important than any of that, is that we get down on our face before God and we ask God for a strategy. We ask God for a God idea. We ask God to lead us and direct us and guide us. We ask God to show us what he wants us to do and how to fight the battle that we are presently in. 
Consistently, I ask God to help me and help my, my staff. Daily, I cry out, man, this last year in this pandemic, you know, and, and it's not like you can call somebody else because they don't know either. They're trying to figure it out themselves, especially a few months ago when we first got into this. And, and so consistently, I ask God to help me and to help my staff to navigate and lead the people he has entrusted us with because I, I count it a privilege and an honor, but oh, what an awesome responsibility is on my shoulders to lead you, and especially in times like these. And I ask the Lord daily to show me what to do. Lord, if, you know, if our protocol is wrong, Lord, if we're not doing the right thing, if we're doing too much, if we're not doing enough, God, reveal to me, God, show me what to do and show me what not to do. Because you see, opinions and suggestions and even demands come from every direction. One says go north, and the other one says, no, no, go south. Now, how can north and south be, this, be right? But you hear it. One says go north, one go, says go south. One says do this, one says don't do that. Do something else. Listen, listen, who, who knows? I'll tell you who knows. It's the Lord. He's the one, and he's the only one that knows. And he will give us a strategy, and he will give us a plan, and he will help us. If we will call upon him, if we'll spend our time in his presence asking him, he will give us God ideas. He will give us direction. He will give us strategy. And the strategy that God gives us will be a mighty weapon, and we'll be able to overcome. Listen, if we're going to win this battle, it'll be in part because we use the weapon of strategy that God gives us. Another weapon available to us is submission. That's a weapon. James chapter 4 and verse number 7, James writes, he says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, you know, here's what I know. We're all pretty good about the resisting part. We're all pretty good about the rebuking part, but we're not always so good with the submitting part. And most people don't even know that's a part of the verse. They only quote the part of the verse that says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, we just tell people, just resist the devil and he will flee. But now the Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God. Then after you've submitted yourself to God, then you can resist the devil. Listen, submission is what gives power to our resisting. Only when we have submitted to God, submitted to his ways, Submitted to his word, submitted to his will. Only then will our resisting and our rebuking have any authority. And here's something also that I know. Sometimes God gives us a strategy that we don't want to submit to. And I'll tell you, in the last 48 years of ministry, many times God has told me to do something. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to submit Sometimes God's strategies stretch us. Sometimes God's strategies make us feel uncomfortable. Listen, but if we will submit to God's strategy, we will come out victorious. Well, times like these require an uncommon fight. And in this uncommon fight, we will need to understand who our enemy is. And we will need to use the right weapons. And number three, we will need to unify for greater effect unify for greater effect. Now, you know, other than God himself, is there anything more powerful than unity? You know, if I had the time today, I would take a single, a single piece of string. You see that string? You see, how many of you see it? You see, you see it? 
I, if I had time this morning, I'd take a single, a single piece of string and I would call some young buff guy up here like Pastor Chris. I'd have him come up here and I'd hand him that piece of string and I would ask him to break that piece of string and probably he could because if I was doing it, actually, I'd make sure he could. <laughs> then I would take a second piece of string and, and I'd put the two together and, and, I, and, and I would ask him to break that and maybe he could and maybe he could, he could not. He certainly, as I would take a third piece of string and unite these three pieces of string together, I'm persuaded that there's absolutely no way that he could break that, those three strings united together. And if I would take enough strings and unite them together, they could produce a rope that I could use to literally pull a car. On their own, they're weak. On their own, they could be broken by just one strong person. But united together, put together, woven together, united together, man, you talk about strong. Strength comes with unity. If we truly understand the power of unity, surely we wouldn't allow ourselves to become divided over so many issues. Well, I want to briefly make three statements about unity this morning. First of all, if we're going to have unity, we're going to have to focus on what we agree on. If we're going to be unified, we're going to have to focus on what we agree on. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, Paul instructs us, he challenges us, he urges us, he admonishes us here, lead a life worthy of your calling. And always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. I like this next phrase, make allowances for each other. Say, make allowances. Paul says, make allowances for each other's faults and differences. And he goes on to say, make every effort to live in peace, united by the Spirit. United by the Spirit. Hey, hey, we're not always going to agree on everything. I said, we're not always going to agree on everything. Hey, I don't even agree with my former self sometimes. <laughs> Man, I'm glad cassette you know, cassettes went by the wayside, you know, because I've got some stuff on cassette tapes out there. Man, I don't want anybody here now. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't even agree with some of my former. We're not always going to agree on every little thing. But instead of focusing on the few things that we disagree on, why not focus on the many things that we agree on? Especially if they are not heaven or hell issues. Listen, Listen to me, friends. Listen to me, Grace Place. We don't have to cross all our T's and dot all of our I's exactly alike in order to walk together, in order to work together, in order to worship together. And that's why there's a different brand of church on every corner is because we divide over little bitty silly issues that have really nothing to do with, with heaven or hell. Here's what I believe this morning. I believe get the Jesus thing right and everything else is details. Did you hear me? I said, get the, get the Jesus thing right, and everything else is details. Unite on, on who Jesus is. Unite on what Jesus has done for us by grace, through his blood, on the cross. Listen, unite on, on, on Jesus. Get the Jesus thing right, and then we can manage everything else. Satan knows that he can weaken God's army significantly if he can get us divided. Let's focus on what we agree on. Focus on what we agree on. 
and, 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 then, and then let's fuel each other's faith. Oh, I like that. Let's fuel each other's faith. Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25, the writer of Hebrews writes, and he says, let us hold tight to our hope and think of ways to motivate one another. And let us not neglect meeting together in order to encourage one another. Here's what I know, and that is our faith is fueled when we assemble together. Do you agree this morning? Amen. Our faith is fueled when we assemble together. And I know these are unprecedented times for our generation. And some of us are assembling together publicly and others are assembling together by, 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 by internet and by uh, live stream and all of that. And I don't want to bring division in that way. But I'm just telling you this morning that it is important that we gather together and fuel one another's faith. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26, when you assemble together, he says somebody's going to sing and somebody's going to teach and somebody else is going to exercise a spiritual gift. And he says all of this will strengthen everyone there. Through unity, we focus on what we agree on. We fuel each other's faith. And because of that, we face our enemy together. Ecclesiastes chapter number four. Ecclesiastes chapter number four, verses nine through 12. The writer writes and he says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We're in a battle, people. I said, we are in a battle. Satan has unleashed all his evil forces. He's holding nothing back. And, I, and listen, listen, we haven't seen anything yet. You better buckle your seatbelt because there is turbulence ahead. You better get ready for it. You better prepare yourself because, because the enemy is holding absolutely nothing back. He knows his season is about over. He knows, he knows that, that his time is short. And so he is unleashing everything that he has. But hear me this morning, I've read the back of the book and it says we win. It says we win. But understand, the battle comes before the victory. Yes, the last page says we win, but there's a lot of battles. There's a lot of fighting that takes place before we get to that last page. Yeah, the battle comes before the victory. And even, listen to me, listen to me, even though we win, even though we win, there will still be a host of casualties. Don't be one of them. Pastors are dropping out like flies today. Like never before, they're throwing in the towel and saying, I've had it, I'm done. 20% of churches are closing their doors today. They didn't make it. They didn't make it. We're not even through it, and they haven't made it. Yes, the last page of the book says we win, but there will be a lot of casualties along the way. Don't be one of them. 
And Grace Place, let me tell you, let's not be one of those 20%. Let's not be one of the casualties. Let's not only enjoy the victory at the end of the battle, but let's have victory in the midst of the battle. And unity is a great weapon. So let's focus on what we agree on, not on what we disagree on. Let's fuel one another's faith. Let's build each other up. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's face our enemy together. And our enemy is not people, and it's not political, but it's the prince of the power of the air. Remember, remind yourself who the true enemy is. The takeaway for the message is simply this. Uncommon forces requires an uncommon fight. I ask you this morning, are you willing to fight? Listen, we've had it pretty easy in this Christian way the last many years and many decades. We've had it easy. We've had it easy. I'm not sure we're going to have it as easy going forward. There's a fight. There's a battle. Are you ready to fight? But not only do you need to ask the, answer that question, but let me ask you this question. Are you prepared to fight? Do you know your weapons? Are you familiar with them? Are you equipped to fight? Father, I just pray that you'll take this word this morning that has been shared. God, I thank you for the assurance, Lord. The assurance, Lord, that we're going to come out not only of this pandemic, but we're going to come out of life and we're going to come out of this world victorious, God. God, I also recognize that there's a fierce battle that's raging and is going to intensify as we move on. God, help us today to be prepared and be ready. God, help our people, God. We want to equip our people so they'll be able to fight, Lord. Not depending upon the pastor and the staff to do their fighting for them, but be equipped, familiar with, understanding, expertise with their weapons be able to fight their own battles. God, I pray you will help us today. 